0: Hi, my name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Molly Keck. And we are with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. On this episode of Books by the Yard, we are going to be talking about the milkweed butterflies. And again, taxonomy is just absurd, in my opinion. But <laughs> depending on what classification, they're either in the family themselves, that is Deneity, or they're in a subfamily of Nymphalidae, which is called Daniani. So it's... I-D-A-E if it's their own family, or I-N-A-E if it's the subfamily. But regardless, the majority of the butterflies that are in this family are found in Asia and Africa. And there's only four species that are found in North America. And they're usually like, well if they're not migrating, they're usually in the southern part of the state. So milkweed butterflies are very closely related to the brush-footed butterflies. And so they are going to have their front legs reduced. So that very first pair of legs are reduced and they're not used for walking. But the big outlier for this particular group of butterflies is, of course, wing venation, which we all love about butterflies. Not. <laughs> they have a short third anal vein in their front wing. So if you want to look up what that means, <laughs> go for it. But essentially a wing vein is shorter than in other butterflies that are in this group. So the four butterflies that we have in North America that fit into this category, are the monarch, the queen, the soldiers, and the tropical milkweed butterfly. And for the monarch, the queen, and the soldier, they're all in the same genus. They are in the genus Danaeus. And the tropical milkweed butterfly is kind of the outlier here because it's in a completely different genera. And that one is in Lycoria, which is kind of weird. But
1: does it it look like them? Does it look like them with the orangey color? Or is it totally it, different? It's
0: still like the, the same coloration, but it doesn't look like them. Yeah. <laughs> are <laughs> they completely different?
1: Are they found in Texas or other parts of world?
0: They can fly up into Texas. We can get oh, strays. Okay. But these are, and you said on the last episode that we did, that there's no such thing as Central America, but I'm going to say they're found in Central America. Everybody Um, knows what that
1: means. It's so much easier.
0: So they're kind of Central America and then also in the, the Caribbean. So we're going to start with the outlier. I know everybody loves monarchs, so this will make you stick around to hear about the monarchs. There you go. So I'm going to start with the outlier of the tropical milkweed butterflies. So this is Lycoria halia, And of course, there's subspecies of this. I'm not going to get into that. And the caterpillar for these are going to be black and white in color. And they have really wide bands of black and white. And then they have a pair of tubercles, which are those kind of fleshy, horn-looking things. And those are right behind the head, kind of attached on the thorax. So the caterpillars of these are going to feed on papaya, they feed on fig, they feed on a plant called jacartia, which is <laughs> wild mango. And then it also says that they feed on blood flowers. So I had to figure out what blood flower was. And that is also what we are calling tropical milkweed here in our area. So they are huge fans of the tropical milkweed. So tropical milkweed is also called Mexican butterfly weed, but that is typically what you see in the nurseries and stuff. And so it's for a butterfly that we really don't even get here in central Texas. (laughs) (laughs) The adults are going to be a... Kind of a yellowish tan color at the top part of the front wings and then more of a orangish reddish color on the hind part of the front wings and then they also kind of have that brown and black kind of mixed in and there's of course some spotting and what yeah but yeah. they are more tiger striped than oh, cool. the monarchs and stuff so these ones If you had a love child between one of the monarch butterflies and a swallowtail, like a tiger swallowtail, this is what the butterfly would look like in my brain, at least. And they also, their bodies look really skinny compared to regular milkweed butterfly bodies. They just look really kind of skinny.
1: And they're called tropical milkweed butterflies. Is that what you call them?
0: Uh Uh-huh. They're also called a tiger mimic queen butterfly.
1: Tiger mimic queen. I'm looking them up so I can see what they look like.
0: Yeah. And the adults in this case, they they do not feed on nectar people. They feed on bird droppings. So we also said Molly said earlier in the the um the previous episode that nothing wants to eat bird poop because one of the <laughs> caterpillars that we talked about if these guys bird poop. So apparently there is something that wants to eat bird poop, and it's these particular adult butterflies.
1: You know what? They they to me their shape of their wings resemble like like a almost more of a heliconian yes. than, than a but yes. Monarch.
0: So like the zebra, the zebra butterflies and stuff. It's kind yeah. of this weird mixture of heliconia with swallowtail coloration but they fit into the milkweed butterfly family and it's it's just like a I don't know this weird morph of everything
1: they're very pretty they remind me of like an ocelot with uh, somehow with that spotted Oh yeah with
0: the stripes and stuff yeah they're cool but again, you're not going to see them in most parts of Texas. If you live in South Texas, you might catch a stray flying through at some point. So these are mostly tropical type stuff. So our next one we're going to talk about are the soldiers. And these are also known as tropical queen butterflies. So mm-hmm. these are Danaus erisimus. And with these ones, the caterpillars are going to be black, white, and yellow. They have stripes. And with them, I kind of think of the bands on these caterpillars as being thinner than you would think of on the monarchs and queens.
1: They also, the queen does the same thing, but they have an extra pokey thing in the middle.
0: Yes, yes. So Soldiers three pairs of longer. tubercles on the body. They have one like right behind the head, one on their thorax, and then they have one that's at the t- kind of tail end of the abdomen.
1: And their things are longer than the queens.
0: Yeah, they're really, really long.
1: But like, how would you know unless you had them side by side?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you deal with them all the time, right. which, you know, I don't. Um, larvae, of course, are going to feed on milkweed. And the adults of these are kind of an orangish brownish color. Yeah. And they have kind of black that goes around the, all the edges of the wings. It's kind of like ringed in kind of this blackish dark brown color. And they have like, they almost look like little white freckles. Yeah. I mean, they're not even really spots per se. It just, they look more like freckles on them. And the wings for them are really not going to have really stark defined black wing venation like you think of with a monarch butterfly.
1: Yeah, they're like a faded monarch almost. And yeah. people, I, with soldiers and queens, get, get they, you, when you see them flying, you assume it's a yeah. monarch. They say it all the time. And they also kind of look like, uh, we'll, we'll get to them at one point, but they also kind of look like um, Gulf fritillaries a little bit when they're flying. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do. But the Gulf fritillaries aren't going to have that ring around their wings. That's that darker color. And then when we're talking about monarchs, queens, and soldiers, just so I don't have to repeat myself, even though I probably will, all of the males are going to have a scent patch that Mm -hmm. is called a androconial patch. And that is on the hind wings. So you'll see this kind of black dot that's almost kind of bumpy and raised up on their hind wings. that's actually how you can tell a male from a female of these. If they have that patch on their wing, then that is going to uh, be the male. And the purpose of that is it actually, it releases smells or pheromones that the males are going to use during courtship. And then of course, you know, soldiers are, the adults are going to feed on nectar of various plants and they are found in the Americas. So North and South America there.
1: So I um, might have to double check myself, but I think that soldiers are more common in central to South Texas. Um, And so while we do get Queens, you rarely get soldiers up in North Texas. Is that right?
0: Yes. So that's what that's what the, the soldiers are also called tropical queens. Okay. So they are more in the tropical areas. You're probably not going to find these in the panhandle. Or if you did, it's going to be some random one that got lost.
1: Yeah. <laughs> when I was going through my collections of butterflies to take pictures for my online class, the I was so shocked that I had so many soldiers. I thought, I don't know. I guess you just always hear about queens and monarchs, queens and monarchs. And I knew there were these soldiers, but in my mind, they were like rare or you didn't really see them here. But I like most of my it was hard for me to find a queen in my collection of all. I
0: think that the soldiers are pretty common. It's just people probably don't realize what they're looking at.
1: Exactly. Because they look it's really hard to tell the difference between a soldier and a queen. And you certainly can't do it when they're flying. You have to actually have it in your hand.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So the queen butterflies, these are Denaeus galippus, gl- however you want to say it. So the caterpillars here, again, they are white, black, and yellow striped, but these are going to have less yellow than the monarchs do. It's like they have black, white, and yellow stripe. but then you can look at the tubercles and they're going to have three pair of tubercles, again, one behind the head, one on the thorax and then one at kind of the end of the abdomen.
1: They're like uh, the difference between a coral snake and a corn snake. Like it's hard. It, <laughs> they look so similar. You yeah. you have to really know what you're looking at to tell the difference.
0: So experience is going to help you or, you know, iNaturalist or Google Lens or something can help you probably. Uh, larvae, of course, are going to feed on milkweed. And the adults are going to be a reddish orange and black, of course, because that's what these butterflies are. These, I think, have more of a white speckle on their front wings than the monarchs do. So monarchs are going to have that kind of black rim with the dots around it. But these also, uh, the queens are going to have those white speckles also in kind of the orangey brown area part of the wing too.
1: And they also have more spots going into the center part of the wing i guess there's just more white spots on the wing than the soldier has and i yeah. think at least for me that's like the big
0: no aspect. i i completely agree with soldiers the speckles are kind of towards on the, the end and they're very very tiny and fine with the queen i i would actually say that they have spots because yeah. they they seem more defined and they do go like closer in towards the body and of course, again, the wing venation isn't as defined as monarchs. They You can see the wing venation, but it's not that like black, really dark wing venation. And adults are going to feed on nectar from a variety of flowers, but they also can be attracted to rotting fruit and also um, dry and wet dung. So yeah. they're going to be getting like minerals and salts and stuff from that.
1: Have you ever had people call you and be like, Are they sick? What they're on my dog's fresh poop, and I'm like, No, they just eat. What are feed. they doing? <laughs> That's, they just they like juicy poop.
0: <laughs> yep. Fortunately, um, something you know, some things have got to eat that and break it down. So just be thankful that That's we true. have insects to do it, right? <laughs> so the queen butterflies are found in the Americas. They also can be found, there are species in Asia, Africa, and then you can get random ones that are found in Europe. But these are usually going to be found in, again, kind of tropical locations because yeah. they, they're they a more tropical species. And then, of course, we've moved on to the king of the butterflies, and that is the monarch. And this is Danaeus plexippus. So caterpillars here, white, black, yellow striped. They only have two pair of the fleshy tubercles, uh, one pair at each end of their body. And the larvae are only going to eat milkweed. The adults here, I think, you know, me describing these is kind of ridiculous because I think everybody (laughs) knows what a monarch looks like. But in case you have just been born or you've lived under a rock, Um, adults are going to be orange and black and the wings are going to be ringed in black. They have two rows of white spots that kind of go in that black area and they have very distinct black wing venation. You can really, really tell where the wing venation is. And on the hind wings, They have a, again, we're going to talk about language. (laughs) They have an enclosed cell. So it forms kind of a little loop or a U shape on that. And that will differentiate it from a butterfly that looks very close to this, but is not a milkweed butterfly. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. So the males here on the Monarch are slightly larger than the females. Um, again, they have that black spot on their hind wing and the adults are going to feed on a variety of nectar from flowers and stuff like that.
1: I wonder if, um, if the males are bigger than the females, because when they were developing all their energy allowed them to grow long limbs like wings, but females might have shorter wings because their body is more robust to have all the eggs in them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the females mm-hmm. are kind of pudgier than them than yeah. the males are.
1: Yeah, they have to be. They have to have all those babies inside. Yeah, the
0: monarchs actually have six subspecies, and <laughs> <Really? laughs> depending on where they are located, it's a different subspecies. So we're talking about um, the genus is Danaus, the species is Plexippus. So the ones that we have in North America or the Americas, that do the whole migration thing, those are Janais plexippus plexippus. So plexippus is the subspecies there. There are some that are found in the Virgin Islands that are Leukogine. Uh That's their subspecies. Ones that are in Puerto Rico are the subspecies Portorensis. <laughs> um, we have some in Tobago, which I don't even know where Tobago is. I'm assuming the Caribbean somewhere. And that subspecies is Tobagi. So again, you can see where we're getting these names. Um, and then the ones that are in the Caribbean and Central America are Megalipi. And then the last ones, the ones that are found in South America are
1: Negripus. I wonder if the, the ones found on these islands and things were blown off course by a hurricane, got stuck there, and then they just started their own little population.
0: Yeah, well, this is uh, the article that I was reading it because they were, of course, doing like genetic sequencing and all of that stuff. And the thing is, they found what these are subspecies. There's periodic gene flow that kind of goes back and forth. And so those butterflies can get blown off course, but they can kind of incorporate themselves into the gene pool of the other's subspecies. Um, So, yeah, it just kind of all meshes, which is cool, but also kind of crazy. <laughs> so something else that we need to talk about when, cause this is like hot news. It just came out all that good stuff. The international union for conservation of nature released a, I don't even know. They did a press release this, um, Well, I'm going to say this week when we're recording, um, we're recording on July 29th. So the press release was from July 21st, but you're not going to hear this until August. Um, so it'll be a month old, but they put the Monarch butterfly on their endangered red list. And essentially that means nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, yes, it's going to give more attention to the monarchs and their plight that they're having issues with habitat destruction and stuff like that. But the IUCN, really, it's not a regulatory agency. It doesn't have any, um, I guess, what, lawmaking capabilities? Is that what? Yeah,
1: they're not regulatory or, or anything like that.
0: So the people that handle endangered species within the United States is the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And the monarch butterflies are not on their endangered species list. And so essentially that means that, you know, you can do whatever because a lot of people, if something is on the endangered species list, you, you can't collect it and you have to be careful about habitat and stuff like that, but the Monarch is not currently on the United States, uh, list for that. So don't panic.
1: I don't know how often they review that list, but I know that the last time that they did it, it was, um, you know, they have a big long list and they have to narrow it down and us fish and wildlife services just determined that there were other animals that, that took priority over the Monarch. So it's been, I think on their radar, but they, I think that they will, reevaluate that list in 2024. So we'll see what, what they decide to do there. But what I've been asked about this quite a bit this week, and it just, you know, kind of blows my mind. I think it's kind of really sad for, for just the world that this insect that is so visually known, like it's, it's, we all know what the Monarch is, at least in Texas, I think. And I think around the United States, most people know what the Monarch is and you hear about conserving it, And yet still we couldn't get our act together enough to try to help them out. And it just, I don't know. It just kind of makes me sad that that happened. We allowed that to happen. And and it's not on the U S fish and wildlife services and endangered species list. And also I think it's worth noting that they have like all different types of categories, you know, from extinct to just threatened. And then there's all sorts of stuff in between. So they're not going to just show up on it as endangered. There's going to be some movement. There will
0: be levels.
1: Yes. Yeah. If it even, if it even gets put on there, because those of you guys that have huge monarch patches in the fall time, when they're, when they're migrating through, you probably are like, how can they be endangered? I get thousands of them.
0: Yeah. And the, the you,
1: I hate acronyms, The IUCN.
0: the IUCN, there we go. They are, this is for the subspecies that is in North America. So that, Danaus plexippus plexippus is the one that they are referring to and from what i've read they're basing it on numbers that have dropped in the california as well as the mexico overwintering habitats so they go out and they kind of estimate numbers of butterflies which i would love to talk to how someone about how they do that because well if you've seen if you've ever seen pictures i'm like i don't know how you can even estimate guess, how many numbers of butterflies there are there.
1: I guess they're just counting trees. And then also like, cause they say the primary reason for their, for them being even somewhat threatened is deforestation of their overwintering habitat. So maybe yeah. just there's, you know, there were, there were however many hectares now there's like, what do they say? Like a quarter of what there was or something. Yeah. So of course there's going to be less spots for them to try to cram their bodies into.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we all know that the Danaus plexipus plexippus migrates. Those are the ones that there are different migrating populations. So the main one is overwintering in Mexico and goes, you know, north and then comes back south. It's not the same exact butterflies, but we're going to save the whole migration topic for a entirely different podcast because that's a very large topic. So we're not going to get into that today. I do want to talk about the monarch butterfly lookalike that is not a milkweed butterfly, because a lot of people get confused about this. That is known as the viceroy. And it is not in the either family or subfamily, depending on your taxonomy that you're going by, of Danaidae or Danaemi, completely different. It is a nymphalid. So it is in that same group. But this is a, uh, its scientific name is Lamentus archippus. And the caterpillars look completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are white and brown and black and kind of an olive green. And they're modeled kind of all, I don't know, they're just blotchy looking.
1: They don't look like they would turn into a pretty butterfly. They look like no. they would turn into an ugly moth.
0: Again, it kind of, it's like, it's that bird poop look. They do definitely.
1: Yeah. They resemble that for sure.
0: And they do have kind of two green bumps on their thorax. And then they also have a pair of fleshy kind of tubercles that are near their head. But the larvae of these feed on stuff in the willow family. So that is saliaceae. So willows, poplars, cottonwoods. So we do have those types of plants in Texas. So we do have viceroys here as well, but often you do not see them feeding one because they're feeding on trees and most people don't look at trees to see caterpillars. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other thing is they feed at night. So that is going to be completely different than, you know, the monarchs and all of those stuff, but the adults are the ones that are going to look very similar to the monarchs. These are going to be orange and black Butterflies—they have that defined black wing venation. The big thing that you need to look for is going to be on the hind wing. The viceroys, instead of having that loop on the hind wing, they have a line that goes across and kind of cuts across their wing veins. And you know, these are found in U.S., parts of Canada, and Mexico. Uh, something I do want to talk about that is really cool about the milkweed butterflies, as well as the Viceroy, there are toxins that they incorporate into their body. So if you've ever dealt with milkweed and you're growing it and you break it open, it has that milky sap. And that is a toxic substance. And those are essentially alkaloids that they have in there. And the caterpillars that are feeding on that plant can incorporate that into their body And it makes them toxic or unpalatable to predators that might eat them. And so those predators are going to learn not to consume them because they taste bad and it kind of makes them sick and they end up barfing. It used to be thought that the viceroys mimicked the monarchs, but since they didn't feed on milkweed, that they were taking advantage of looking like them while not being toxic. But that, and that is, oh God, which one is it? Is that one Malarian or Batesian?
1: I think that's the, I think it's Batesian, but uh, here. Batesian is palatable group gains protection by resembling and mimicking somebody. Okay,
0: all right. So it used to be thought that the Viceroy were mimicking the monarchs and kind of riffing off of their toxicity while they weren't toxic. But research has actually found that the Viceroy livery they hold a different toxin in their body. They actually have a salicyclic acid in their bodies, and that makes them bitter and unpalatable to predators. So they are now malarian mimics with the other ones, where all of these butterflies that look very similar in shape, size, coloration, they are all looking very similar. And so those predators learn not to eat butterflies that look like that because they all are kind of having some sort of a toxin in
1: their body. That's interesting. Cause I had heard I, you'd always grew up. You no, know, you know, that's the quintessential Batesian mimicry example that you hear. But then in college, I remember being taught that they were, they were suspecting it was more like malaria. And then it was like, they were going back and forth. Like no one could actually decide, but I mean, you're saying they've actually got a toxin in their body, which would I feel like would be the definitive answer that it's not Batesian any longer.
0: Well, I was also reading a research paper. They were doing research where they were pulling the wings off of the butterflies oh. and just feeding the bodies to the different predators. That way, they didn't have the yeah to see what they were rejecting. And they actually found that the predators found the queens more palatable than the viceroy's. Really. So I was wondering if the queens don't like incorporate as much toxin in their bodies as like the monarchs or something, or I don't know. I just, I found it really kind of interesting.
1: Take longer to develop maybe so that it metabolizes out. So
0: the other thing that I think I need to cover in the milkweed butterfly conversation, because I always get asked this, the tropical milkweed. We we mentioned about the tropical milkweed butterfly, which is part of this group, but tropical milkweed is not a native plant to Texas. But this typically is the one that you will find in nurseries for sale. So the tropical milkweed is the Asclepius curassifica. I cannot. Cur, yeah. Yeah. That one.
1: Curacifica or something. I can't remember go. how it goes. So,
0: That one is not the greatest to plant if you want to encourage these butterflies. It would be better if you go with native milkweed species, which there are a bunch of them. Asclepius is the, the genus of these. So we have tuberosa, which is called butterfly weed. We have Texana, which is Texas milkweed incarnata which is the swamp milkweed asperula that one's known as antelope horns i personally love that one
1: i've Uh, never seen a monarch on it we used to have tons of them on our property never (laughs) saw a monarch once we have
0: angle which is engelman's milkweed i mean there's there's a bunch of them in here so the thing is, these can be really difficult to, one, find, find in nurseries. Sometimes you can find seed, and seed can be somewhat difficult to get it to actually germinate and grow. So it can be a challenge, which I find really kind of crazy. Because if you think about milkweed, it's just like it grows and it's native. And so you think that you could just chunk out the seed and it would do its thing, but that's, that's not what I hear happen. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not my experience in what happens. So that's why people usually resort to the tropical milkweed because it's, it's available in the nurseries. It can be problematic for several reasons. One, it can harbor The OE, what bacterium or whatnot, and that can cause the monarchs to have deformed wings when they emerge out and then they'll actually end up dying. That could be a whole entire topic of podcast on its own. So I'm not going to get into that further. The other thing is that if you still have your milkweed growing, when those butterflies are coming back through Texas to migrate into Mexico, there are populations that have been known to lay eggs. And then, you know, January, I have somebody calling me because they have mm-hmm. butterflies and they don't know what to do with them.
1: Especially this year when they, when all of the, um, when nothing froze back because we were so hot even into October and then we had super mild winter. So even though it's blooming and it looks good, you still have to remember to cut it down.
0: If you have tropical milkweed in your landscape, I'm not saying tear it out. I am saying cut it down several times throughout the season, and that can help reduce the uh, bacterium that grows up and, or that grows and can actually reproduce in the plant and cause that OE problem. But then cut it to the ground at Labor Day. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of my hard and fast rule for myself. And I encourage other people to do that as well. If you're going to grow it in your yard, cut it to the ground at Labor Day. That way those butterflies do not have the opportunity to lay eggs on it and start that life cycle and try to do their overwintering here in Texas. We want them to continue on and go to where they're actually supposed
1: to. So just one more thing about that OE thing. They, and one of the reasons why you want to cut it down is that when there's a lot of butterflies visiting a flower over and over again. That's when those, when that OE builds up and becomes really bad. Yeah, and they're I think like it's,
0: spores. Yes. Almost. Yeah.
1: And I think it's important to mention that all milkweed can propagate or cultivate or whatever the term would be for that. It can all have OE spores on it. It's just that that tropical milkweed blooms for so much longer. And so as the monarchs are migrating down to Mexico, more stop, more stop, more stop. And then they just have the ability to drop more off, pick more up that kind of thing. So that's why it's not necessarily from what I, the research I've done, it's not necessarily that tropical milkweed allows more spores to grow because it's just tropical milkweed. It's just that more butterflies come to it.
0: I think if you want the milkweed butterflies and you want to help the monarchs, even though you know they're not on the US fish and wildlife endangered list, you know, they they are concerned and
1: you're still I having a hard time. It's still yeah. So, you know, you know
0: I, I think it would be good for everybody to try to to grow some stuff to help them. So again, that would be essentially if you want the larvae, you're going to have to grow some type of milkweed.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's
0: and follow the instructions that you have been given to avoid populations of OE spores building up on your milkweed. The other thing is for the adults, uh, make sure that you have fall blooming flowers. I mean, everybody has pretty much spring blooming flowers, but not everybody thinks about that fall population. That population coming back through Texas to go on to Mexico, they also need nectar. So make sure that you have flowers that are nectar producers in the fall. The ones that I typically have that they always seem to like the mist flowers mm-hmm. and then also the asters. So yeah. those ones typically are the ones that I have that are my fall blooming plants.
1: If you're wondering where to get native seeds, um, our horticulture agent, recommends over and over again, that the best place to get your seeds for your native seeds is a place called native American seed in Junction. Great. If you're wondering where to get it, you can go to their website. and I think you can order from their website, but it's called native American seed. And it's a local family owned place in junction, Texas. That's it
0: for the milkweed butterflies. Again, I would encourage you to plant some plants to encourage them to find your yard. And the more people that we can get with yards that are friendly to our pollinators and butterflies and things like that, then the more patches that they're going to have when they're moving through the area. So we'll We can build up habitat if we can just do that with our yards, I think. Yeah,
1: and now's the time to do it. Fall is the time for planting. So it it was too hot to do it this summer. Do it now.
0: (laughs) It was too hot to do anything this summer.
1: (laughs) It's still a bit too hot to do anything.
0: So we will continue on with uh, some more butterflies next time. And hopefully you are getting out and gardening and checking out the insects. So thank you for listening in and we'll catch you next time.